just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today we are heading to Scotland where I'm chatting to Megan Rain all about her diagnosis of endometriosis and interstitial cystitis. In this episode Megan talks about her unusually quick diagnosis of endo, what it's like living with a condition that has all of the symptoms of a UTI but no actual infection, the inspiration behind creating the symptom tracker journal Simjo and she leaves us with an important message that you will want to save to your voice notes and pull out whenever you're feeling down. I know I do. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and as always, let me know what you think. Welcome to That's So Chronic. I love that I discovered that you have hiccups that sound like meep and that's how you got your nickname. I love that. (laughs) I don't even remember how you discovered that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, you may end up getting a, a meep or two during the, the interview, so we'll see. <laughs> but I also discovered that you are a graphic designer and you have your own mm-hmm. graphic design company over in Scotland, which is where you're mm-hmm. joining us from today. People haven't picked up on your accent already. <laughs> I know, we've bit of a giveaway, but just in case. And you are the founder of Simjo. a a symptom tracker journal Mm -hmm. uh, which is so exciting I actually have one here with me thank you so much for sending me one you're welcome and of course you also have a diagnosis of endometriosis and interstitial cystitis well done I hope I said that okay I was practicing all day (laughs) (laughs) I know it's such a tongue twister but yes interstitial cystitis or also known as painful bladder syndrome, uh, which is a lot easier to pronounce. Um, So yeah, we can go with that if that's easier. Amazing, which we're going to chat more about today. You wrote on Instagram in one of your posts that your diagnosis of endometriosis actually happened fairly quickly, but in endometriosis diagnosis terms, fairly quickly is still a couple of years. Yeah. Which is just wild that that is a thing. I'm wondering what the diagnosis process was like. What? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did all of this start for you? All the way back. So for me, um, I was lucky in a sense that I heard about endometriosis from a very young age um, because my older sister, she's three years older than me, and she was diagnosed with endo when she was... I think 15, 16 years old. So I was 11 and 12 at the time. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd even started my periods. Um, when you know I was growing up, seeing my sister go through pain every month and just getting really bad kind of heavy periods and things. So I kind of grew up aware of what was going on for her. And then when I, I started my periods quite young, I think I was maybe about 11, and it was okay up until about high school. So for us, that's maybe like 14 years old kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting really painful 
painful periods every month. I would be kind of missing a couple of days off school here and there. Yeah. And it would just be kind of gradually getting really quite intense. So I kind of grew up wondering whether, you know, this was something that could be endo as well. Um, Because seeing like how my sister was coping with it all and she you know we ended up in any countless times with her like throughout the night like me and my mum driving um, to our nearest hospital which was like 40 minutes away mm-hmm. my sister's like thrown up from the pain it's like 2am in the morning like trying to get her to any and just seeing what she was going through and um, so for me I was always kind of aware of the effects of endo and kind of wondering in the back of my mind whether it was something that I might have as well just as my as I kind of got older and my periods started getting a lot worse with the pain kind of ending up in GP surgery like in my pajamas just like shaking um, and just in so much pain so I kind of always in the back of my head thought this could be endo as well but I kind of felt myself personally that it was never quite as bad as the symptoms my sister had and you know I'd never Mm -hmm. been hospitalized and things like that so I kind of just not ignored it but just kind of thought okay maybe it's just I have a bad a bad period kind of thing. It sounds like it's a blessing and a curse that your sister you'd seen your sister go through this because in a way it's great that you knew to be aware of these symptoms but then again if it's not quite as bad as what you had seen Mm -hmm. you can yeah easily dismiss how you're feeling and not take it as seriously. Yeah and I have to say like that's my own feelings like completely it's not anything that anyone ever project like we didn't talk about the possibility of of me having endo or anything so I just wanted to make that clear you know it was never a a dismissed by my family or anything like that it's more just no me um saying these these things so so yes so it kind of I went to university and kind of died down while I was at uni I don't remember having like maybe had the odd kind of pain flare up but nothing was really that bad and then it wasn't until about six seven years ago that I went I was working um full-time I had my first job in an agency design agency and a couple of years into that so I was maybe about how old would I have been six years ago 21 22 yeah and things just started getting a lot worse so my really painful periods started coming back like every month and then things just kind of gradually got worse it was kind of going from every month to pain a couple of times a week to pain pretty much every day Um, I was having to take days off work every month like bed bound for at least one day of that month wow and then just got to the point I was signed off work for like eight weeks because I just couldn't function I was just so tired um, and just could, didn't know what was going on with the pain so that was when I was kind of going back and forth to my GP saying okay not sure what's going on here even at that point I didn't say endo you know I spoke about my sister's history with endometriosis but it was never something that I openly was like hey I think I have endo because a lot of my symptoms you know the the sad part of conditions like endometriosis is there's so many different symptoms and Mm. so many of those symptoms have links to loads of other conditions so it's really hard to kind of pinpoint 
you know, when you're getting nausea, you're getting bloated. Yeah. You know, you kind of, I was being investigated for IBS, celiac disease. I went down kind of, to begin with, it was like gastro kind of specialists that I was seeing. And it wasn't until one specialist that I saw there, we'd kind of explored different options. I'd had an endoscopy, um, sigmoidoscopy, looking at like the colon and bills and things like that. And it wasn't until one of those specialists said, I spoke to him about my sister having endometriosis and he said, actually, have you been investigated for that? A lot of the symptoms kind of sound similar. And that kind of all kind of clicked and confirmed a few things in my mind. And then I saw gynecologists and then I was on a, a waiting list for a diagnostic procedure. So for me, even though it was maybe two, three years that it took to to kind of get to that stage from starting out the kind of diagnosis process. Yeah. That's extremely quick for for people with endometriosis because sadly it it can take, you know, the average is between seven and nine years. Yeah, wow. Which is just absolutely crazy. Throughout this process, when you're getting all of these tests done, what is the healthcare system like in Scotland? Did you have to pay for any of these specialist appointments or the tests that they were doing? None of them, no. Oh, so amazing. We are so incredibly, incredibly lucky and we really do take it for granted that we get all of our healthcare is free under the NHS, which is the National Health Service. And to be honest... I mean, we would have managed it some somehow, I guess, but, um, but I don't know where I would be if you did have to, and yeah. we did have to pay for, and I know that that's the case for thousands and th- millions of people um, yeah. who are in so much debt because of their, their medical conditions, so we are incredibly lucky over here. Be right back, just moving to Scotland, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a wee advertisement for yeah. <laughs> Scotland, yeah. So you eventually get the diagnostic procedure. Is mm-hmm. that a laparoscopy? Yeah, laparoscopy, yeah. Yes. And so when they do that, do they detect endometriosis? Yes. Yeah, so laparoscopy is um, also known as keyhole surgery. So they basically put like three, I've got like three kind of scar wounds, kind of like a wee triangle that they put cameras in and just able to kind of have a look around and see what's what's going on and um, so I've had two laparoscopies I've had one which is my diagnostic one where they just they went in they had a look to see what was there and were able to confirm that it was endometriosis that I had okay some surgeons will do kind of a bit of removal at that stage but the gynecologist at that particular time felt that she didn't have enough information about how deep the the kind of nodules the disease that I had there so it was more just diagnosis find out what's there whereabouts the endo is uh I kind of guess like a exploration of how serious the kind of yeah disease is how it looks and then it was it sounds crazy but coming out of that surgery and having the consultant come in and say to me, yes, it was Endo that we found, was a massive relief. Yeah. Even though it's a chronic condition, there is no cure for that, you know, will be impacting me for the rest of my life. To have finally have answers and kind of 
know that it's not all in my head or it's not just yeah a bad period kind of thing that people kind of write it off as that it was just that relief of okay I have answers now and although there's no cure there are ways to manage manage it going forward. What would be your definition of endometriosis for somebody who has absolutely no idea what this condition is? Endometriosis is basically it's a menstrual condition where if you imagine the cells of the inside of your womb that grow they build and they break down and they bleed and leave your body as part of your period that's how that kind of works in a very nutshell (laughs) Um, so these cells that usually grow inside the lining of your womb are found outside of the womb and they can now be found um, very recently on like the majority of organs in your body so it's not just located to the the pelvis they can they can spread throughout the body so these little cells grow outside of the womb and as a period does they will build up and break down and bleed but they have nowhere to to leave the body they with a period you know they'll leave your body but with endo they just build up bleed and there's nowhere to go so they end up causing kind of adhesions which in a lot of cases they become very sticky and kind of stick pull organs um, that they're kind of affecting into the wrong position or like stick your bowel and your uterus together kind of thing so causing a lot of scar tissues like damage irritation and inflammation so that's um, (laughs) sorry this is Phyllis wanting to to wanting to join in our word in there I love that (laughs) so where did they find the endometriosis or the endometrium tissue when they did the lap for you so for me it was found predominantly on my left side basically kind of Poucher Douglas area wee bit of my ovary but the main kind of big nodule was found near affecting my ureter okay when I was first told this I didn't even know I didn't know what a ureter was I'd never heard of a ureter I was like yeah okay what what is this body part that I have that I've never heard of so your ureter is basically a pipe that runs from your kidney to your bladder okay so it connects your kidneys and your bladders together um your bladders your bladder um together so that was where they kind of found and it's a very kind of thin very delicate tube that connects the two so that was why at my diagnostic procedure they didn't want to do anything further because they didn't want to cause any damage to Mm. to that part as well that makes sense and then were they able to remove any of the endo when they went in the second time yep so when I went in for a second time I was under we've got a fantastic endometriosis specialist team here in Edinburgh so I was able to be referred to to their care mm-hmm. and have two two endometriosis surgeons go in and actually um, remove everything that was there wow. and they kind of described it as a an iceberg that they kind of just kept going and it was just really quite quite deep the wow. the disease that that was there so it was kind of a three-part surgery because because of the location of it I had to to go in 
about 10 days before under general anaesthetic with a urology team um, and get stents put in. So stents are, if you can imagine, uh, I don't know, do you guys get Capri Suns? Um, the juice or like a carton of juice with yes, a like okay, really juice. small straw sorry yeah. I've just totally gone on a tangent onto like juice there no I love it um, <laughs> but if you imagine like a really small like one of the really small straws this is basically what they do so they have these stents that they put inside my ureters um so I've got one on the left one on the right um mm-hmm. and they put stents in to help protect these tiny little wow tubes during the surgery um, and kind of keep them firm and so it helps them kind of visualize where they are as well yeah so I had to go in 10 days before my endosurgery to get the stents put in and they then caused a lot of issues I had back-to-back infect like urine infections um, and right. just the pain that these stents alone were causing me was just absolutely crazy so the kind of 10 days leading up to my laparoscopy, the, the the main event kind of thing. Was it 10 days? It must have been more than 10 days, actually, because I ended up the two weekends before I was back in hospital with another like urine infection oh. and on antibiotics. And it was really kind of oh. touch and go on the day of my surgery, whether or not they were going to actually go ahead with the procedure but luckily they did um, and they were able to remove all of the endo that was there that's that is incredible I'm so happy that they were able to remove the endo does removing the endo mean that it is gone for good now or is it possible that it might grow back so with endometriosis it's very likely that it will grow back Mm -hmm. um so there are some cases some people that they have their endometriosis removed and for whatever reason you know they're they're able to live uh, the rest of their life without the disease kind of growing back but for the majority of people it's sadly it's not the case and that the removal will maybe give them you know one to three to five year kind of relief and then symptoms will kind of start again mm-hmm. for other people you don't get any benefit from a surgery whatsoever. So even though they've been in, they've removed the disease, you've still got the same pain, you've still got the same symptoms and it just, it's not there anymore. So that was kind of the case for me. Okay. That after my surgery, I was like, right, okay, I'm just in the recovery phase, you know, this is normal and you know we'll see after and then it got to about four months after and speaking to my consultants and they were kind of like well if you were going to feel any benefit from the surgery that we've done you would probably likely know by now so it's really kind of I think down to the damage that's already been caused um by the disease and where it's been and how long it's been there for and growing there and nerve nerve pain nerve damage is something that cannot be seen but can be 100% felt Um, (laughs) so that's the kind of the reality that for some I don't want to doom and gloom but I also don't want to you know paint a uh, a happy picture that you know it's different for 
everyone of how much relief you are going to get after the surgery. And like we said before, there are so many symptoms of endometriosis. What symptoms would you feel now, a few years after that procedure? What, how, what do you experience on the day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month even mm-hmm. that you know that you definitely yeah, have endometriosis? Yeah, so a lot of it is pain, really. I get almost daily pain, to be honest. Um, Some days it's just this ache in the background that just doesn't go away. I can still function 100%. I can still go about my daily business, but it's always kind of in the background, like, hey, I'm still here, by the way. So that's kind of on a good day. Um, Mm -hmm. I get kind of weeks of just feeling really nauseous sometimes, like from day to day fatigue is a real big one Um, just never really kind of feeling that I've rested enough um, yeah. or you know had a good night's sleep I'll still wake up just completely knackered and you know the past couple of weeks I think I've had a nap pretty much every day um, yeah. which <laughs> could be down to the medications that I'm on it could just be part of the condition it could be a mixture of both so yeah the Pain, nausea, bloating from that time to time, tiredness. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the the main ones really. And the pains, kind of back pain, abdominal pain, and like the tops of your legs as well. Like some days your legs can just be be really heavy. And yeah, it kind of for me it's later in the evening time, so it kind of builds up throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And some evenings, you know, I'll just be on the sofa just on pain meds just not able to do anything else apart from veg out and just yeah be surrounded by heat hot water bottles um, and just just rest really so I've kind of learned it's difficult at the beginning but you kind of learn your own body and you learn what pace you need and what you need to be able to function and to be able to be comfortable and yeah it's just it's very difficult at the beginning because you're suddenly like okay I have this condition for the rest of my life and I don't know how I'm gonna get through this kind of thing but yeah I've kind of learned how to to cope with it and how to manage it um on a day-to-day basis and on that note I have heard of a really amazing symptom journal <laughs> that you can use to help track some of these symptoms and medications yeah <laughs> tell us a bit more about the inspiration to create Simjo Simjo yes so Simjo came about last year it was kind of during the pandemic I'd kind of hit a really bad wall with where I was in terms of my symptoms I was on heaps of medication that were just making my head do all kinds of crazy stuff and I just wasn't I didn't feel like I was in control of anything to do with my body and what was going on around me and I kept my mum kept kind of saying you need to write all this down Megan like you need to yeah keep a note of what's going on to be able to speak to you know your specialist you need to do that so I was like right I know I know and then I was kind of like okay I need to 
buy a, a notebook or something to to start doing this properly and I was kind of looking into journals and things like that and then I was like hang on I'm a graphic designer I can just you know create one for yeah. myself and you know because I was just kind of not finding what you know when you're kind of looking for something specific and you're just not quite finding what it is that you need or what you want so I was like oh I could just create something for myself print it out you know I'm in my spare time I'm a book binder as well I make like ah, handmade books so I was like I can just create one print it out bind it together it'll be fine and then during that process of creating it I was actually like hang on if I'm struggling to find mm. what I need to track my symptoms and have everything in one place then I, I can't be the only one yeah and I realized okay this this could be something. So I designed it in a way that it lasts for six months. You can track, there's like a six month daily symptom tracking where you can, you know, journal a wee bit about your day and just kind of bullet point how your pain levels will be in your own words and things like that. There's a space for writing in the different medications that you've taken that day. There's a wee energy level scale that you can mark off. There's a pain scale on it as well. So it's the Andrea Man, gonna say this wrong, Manoski or mm-hmm. um yeah, there's a, a kind of standard pain scale that's kind of used quite regularly over here in the UK. I'm not sure about anywhere else, but that you'll kind of hear a lot when you go in and they're like, Can you describe on a scale of one to ten what your pain's like? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, Ooh, like I don't know, because I'm not like I've got no, no pain, idea but what I'm not, that like, means. Extreme pain, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. You're just kind of like throwing out numbers, just like, oh like this but you know everyone's perception of pain is totally different so it's got the pain scale on it and it's got like a a note at the front which says how to use the pain scale basically so you've got that there's an outline of at the moment it's just the female body because that's my my biggest kind of consumers are females but I am looking to expand that Mm -hmm. into kind of non-gender specific journals and things like that but at the moment it's just a female body that you can colour in and mark off exactly where your pain has been yeah. that specific day so you've got that for six months and there's like a weekly breakdown and a monthly breakdown that you can write in like summary of how you've been feeling from week to week and then I was like okay when I go along to appointments with my consultants you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I've forgotten a notebook. You're writing on the back of an, an envelope, like notes, yeah. really important notes that you're like discussing about or, you know, a random notebook that you've taken to work that day and all your notes end up scattered all over the place. And yeah. chances are you've got no idea where they are within a week. So there's a section in Simjo to not only write and prepare kind of questions and things that you want to ask your consultant when you're there on the day, but also to take notes yeah. or for a family member to come along and take notes for you within the journal. So it's all contained in the same space. And then there's another section that is kind of about your medical history and medication log. So it'll you can write in different medications that you've started, how long you've tried them for, any side effects that kind of come up. So really I've I wanted to create this tool that helps a patient be able to advocate for themselves when they go into their discussions with their consultants with their GPs and also I realized kind of halfway through this process that this could be a tool that's actually really helpful for consultants as well because 
a lot of the time I know for myself especially I would go into appointments and it's like where where like what side is the pain usually and you're kind of like oh um I think on the left sometimes on the right not sure and you know sometimes I could barely remember past the past week yeah of what how I'd been feeling and if I'd been having a really good week that week it'd be like yeah you know things are feeling better and then I'll come out of the appointment going but last week was a complete write-off yeah but you know you're just in that moment whereas when you have a symptom tracker and a symptom journal that you can actually take with you mm-hmm. you can talk that through with your consultant and say okay look this is how things have been for the last year last six months yeah. and you've got that evidence there and that confidence behind you to be able to say look this is how I've been feeling yeah. on a day-to-day basis. This is where the pain is. This is the level of pain kind of thing. And just be able to help patients know their own bodies better. And I've felt since I've started documenting all my symptoms, I'm so much more clear and direct when I'm speaking to a consultant yeah. and being able to say, oh yeah, that was appointment was on this. This is the exact date that I started that medication. It's like a complete bible for me when I'm like yeah. on a, a phone call with a consultant to be able to actually confidently say what is going on with my body at that particular time and it makes everything really specific as well I really wish that I had had this a couple of years ago when I was going through a whole bunch of brain drama and because I was exactly what you were saying I've got my little yellow notebook that I write my to-do lists in and then it was like Mm -hmm. this page here had these notes from December and this you know they were just all over the place sometimes on the back of napkins so it's really cool to have everything in the one the one journal and the one space that you can take with you there's also a whole bunch of quotes in mm-hmm. this in in Simjo as well, which are really beautiful, and it's a nice touch as well to just give you a little bit more, I don't know, inspiration or just it's just nice to be able to read them when you're flipping through the journal. Yeah, I was I was lucky to get um, some really amazing poets on board who I was able to approach and ask if I could use their work, their words um, within Simjo because they just seem to to sum things up really perfectly mm-hmm. and I didn't want it to to kind of feel all you know negative and it's it's very kind of easy to fall into a really bad place and mentally that's a whole different side of having a chronic pain condition um, or mm-hmm. any kind of long-term illness is the mental health aspect that it has on you and so by putting in some kind of uplifting quotes about you know healing and things like that it just felt it felt right absolutely and 10% of the sales of each uh, journal do get donated to expect Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about them and what they do in Edinburgh yeah, so Expect is the the team specialist that I mentioned briefly um, earlier. So they're basically set up and do a lot of research. So it's the University of Edinburgh as well, but Expect is a, a team of endometriosis specialists and gynaecologists. So they're a multidisciplinary team. Um, so that includes, alongside the specialists, they've got pelvic pain physios, pain psychiatrists, acupuncture that they can offer, Mm. things like that, that they really focus on patient-centred care and 
they review, so every kind of case that gets referred to them, they'll review as a full team, discuss the best options for that particular case, that particular patient, and assign kind of the appropriate treatment going forward for them. So I've been seen by them since probably 2017 Mm -hmm. and they've just been absolutely incredible from everyone that I've seen all the consultants that I've seen there's a specialist endometriosis nurse that you know I've got the phone number to that if I'm having a, a really bad time and I can't access a consultant I can phone up the nurse talk through and she's able to go and speak to the consultants on my behalf yeah. and, you know, either get an appointment referral or something. So they're a really incredible team. And although I just felt like I wanted to be able to give something back to them in some way yeah. for all the incredible treatment and just care yeah. um, and support that I've had from them. So it feels like a a small give back for me to for the amount of help that they help, the amount of work that they do with hundreds of women in Edinburgh and the surrounding areas. From the start of Simdo, I was like, this is what I want to do yeah. and this is what I want to continue doing. And it makes all the difference having such a good team of people around you when oh, you're yeah. being diagnosed with these conditions. Yeah. So interstitial cystitis, mm-hmm. when did that enter your life? Yeah, good question. So before my so before even my diagnosis of endo, I was getting a lot of bladder symptoms as well. I would get kind of recurring infections, bladder like urine infections, bladder infections, mm-hmm. a lot of pain, that kind of cystitis that you sometimes get, which lasts for a couple of days, um, and that kind of burning sensation, frequently needing toilet things like that so kind of before my surgery that was all kind of in the mix as well and then after my diagnosis when they were saying the location of the endo I was like okay this makes sense to all of my bladder concerns because the main chunk of endo as it were was affecting my ureter which is the connection between my bladder and my kidneys so okay so there was kind of a light bulb moment there of being like right okay there's obviously some connection but it wasn't until after my second surgery when they removed the endo it was there and my symptoms still continued right that we were like okay so I'm now seen by the urology team for my bladder problems and the gynecological um, expect team for my endo okay so it's been a really the interstitial cystitis has been a really recent kind of diagnosis within the last six to 12 months really mm-hmm. um I had a cystoscopy which is where they put a camera inside your bladder and they have a look around wow. um, and see what's going on that was kind of great in a way because they're able to say okay there's nothing that we can see but you know it could be painful bladder painful bladder syndrome so I started getting these weekly installations for a while where they injects uh they put a caster in and they um, kind of inject the solution into your bladder mm-hmm. and it's designed to kind of coat the lining of the bladder and try and repair the lining of the bladder okay. and that kind of didn't I felt that it was causing more inform- inflammation than okay, it was actually yeah. helping so I had to kind of stop that and then 
now I'm on recently this past month I started a different medication which is just okay. tablets orally and I've actually found that they have made such a difference to my symptoms and my pain levels and just being able to feel myself again really Um, so that's been in the last month really so I'm still like okay it's maybe early days but you know um, I'm touching all of the things are looking (laughs) looking up here so it seems to be that they've kind of this medication is specifically prescribed for painful bladder syndrome okay so it seems to be working which is great news oh I really hope that that continues what is the treatment if you don't mind me asking yeah so it's called um Elmeron it's an oral tablet that has just become available in the UK it was it's been licensed in America in the US for a long time Mm -hmm. but it's recently just been made available in the UK so it's going to be possibly quite hard to come by that, you know, yeah. pharmacists aren't quite used to it or mm-hmm. know about it at the moment. So it's, yeah, but luckily I've been seen by a really great urology team and she was just kind of like, you know, we'll we'll find the answer. It yeah. may take a while and, you know, we'll go through different procedures and different yeah. tests and you know trial out different medication it's the same with endometriosis as well there's no one one solution to every patient that's going to make your symptoms better but that was the kind of attitude that my urologist has was just you know we'll find something that works for you and I think she has (gasps) so which is amazing because we have to pee so many times in a day Mm -hmm. and it's not healthy to not pee and I can only imagine that if it's like hurting to go to the toilet, then you don't want to drink any water, mm-hmm. which is bad for you. Yeah. Because holy shit, I mean, anyone that's had a UTI would know, you know, yeah. if it's if it's that constantly, that is next level, really. <laughs> so it's yeah, I haven't really explained what interstitial cystitis actually is. But basically how I would describe it is it's all the symptoms of a urine infection without the infection. So it's, yeah, it's kind of frequently needing to go to the toilet throughout the days. You know, some days I will literally be back and forward every like half an hour, just like, come on, I need to get on with my work here. This is really not productive. (laughs) Um, And also for me, the main thing is the pain. So Mm. I'll wake up in the morning with, incredible pain in my stomach and I don't want to get up because I'm sore but I know as soon as I get up and go for a pee yeah it will it will go away because it's basically my bladder is just feeling so irritated because it's so full yeah so and that's kind of a telltale sign as well like throughout the day I don't always get that kind of and I don't know how to describe that indication of a normal kind of oh I need to pee sensation but I don't quite get that all the time. It's more just like, okay, my stomach is feeling really heavy and really sore. Okay. I must need to go for a pee kind of thing. And as well, kind of mixed with that usual kind of nippy burning sensation Mm. when you go, feeling like you're not really emptying, things like that. And then the amount of times I've like toddled along to my GP and been like, I think I have a urine infection, given in a sample and there's no infection. So 
it's really difficult on one hand because with with everyone you know you're an infection you you should not leave it yeah and let it fester for too long but also when you have all these symptoms but it's gotten to the stage now where I'm like I know it's not an infection and I know if I go in and take a sample in it's going to come back that everything is fine and my symptoms do go away in you know sometimes it's three four days Mm -hmm. and then they'll pass on their own and then it'll maybe like flare up the next week or I'll maybe have a couple of couple of weeks or a month with without any problems and then it'll kind of come back so there's no set pattern to it I've just got to kind of be really mindful about if there's anything else like if I start getting like a bit fevery or you know that maybe there's a wee bit more and it maybe is an infection this time rather than just my usual kind of thing yeah. so it's kind of again just trying to really tune in with your bo- your own body and being like okay that's what's normal for me yeah. I say in inverted yeah. commas um, and that's not normal and needs further you know investigation and further care I'm sure a lot of people have offered their opinions throughout the years and the months (laughs) of going through this and being like cranberry juice cranberry juice just drink all of the cranberry juice (laughs) (laughs) all the cranberry juice nope does not does not maybe like psychology wise where you're like I'll drink cranberry juice because it'll help yeah but doesn't know I think it's a myth I think it's a myth yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm wondering if you could go back and you could say something to yourself who is going through these years of uncertainty of not having a diagnosis for either of these things Mm -hmm. or even just to somebody who might be being diagnosed with endometriosis or painful bladder syndrome do you have any piece of advice or a gem of wisdom that you would say to yourself or to them oh that's a very good question (laughs) I think what I would say is don't give up hope and just keep persevering and you are the only one who knows your body and knows the symptoms that you're going through and if you're not getting the answers from the specialist that you're seeing at the moment get a second opinion yeah and keep fighting for yourself because you're the only one who can advocate for your own body your own health and things will be okay yeah it may not be a difficult it may may not be an easy journey for a number of years sometimes but there are ways to be able to still live yeah a full life with these these conditions so I know everyone's different um, and I know the severity of symptoms are different for everyone but certainly for me that's been the kind of the takeaway from it that there will be times where you feel completely hopeless completely lost and just feeling like there's there's no way to move forward but it will be okay which is so beautiful and I love that I'm going to just keep you in my ears whenever I'm feeling (laughs) down. (laughs) 
And if you want to find out more about Megan, you can, or you want to find out more about Simjo, you can find her on Instagram at mysimjo. That's M-Y-S-Y-M-J-O. You can also purchase a Simjo journal, tracker, symptom journal over on Etsy. Or you can head to simjo.co.uk to find out more information. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with everybody listening on That's So Chronic today. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. But I love the time difference here. I'm like, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And you're, you're like, best. it's the new day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go out and do some food shopping now. So, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you. And thank you for having me. Oh, I can't wait to be able to travel again so I can go back to Edinburgh to meet Megan in person. But for now, isn't the internet amazing? It still blows my mind that so many of you have found that so chronic from all different corners of the world. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out over on Instagram. I'm at that's so chronic. As always, all of the information is in the show notes. And if you haven't already, make sure you've pressed subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and please leave a review. That really helps That So Chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope. Be right back just after practice my Scottish accent.